0: Realm Presents Remade, Season 2, Episode 12
1: Loki crept through Sanctuary, his footsteps echoing up and down the dark corridor. Lit only with emergency lighting, the abandoned military bunker somehow seemed even more ominous than when Oz's puppets had been patrolling it. Like... Loki was exploring the underworld in a game after the final boss had already been defeated. Even though the AI was dead now, no longer watching his every move, Loki felt strangely vulnerable and alone for the first time since waking up in this strange new world. Here, miles beneath the surface, he felt like the last person on Earth. Fortunately, he was just one of the last humans alive. There were 13 others. He had friends here. Maybe he even had a girlfriend. So what the hell am I doing down here instead of above ground with her, he thought. He stopped in front of an open door and retraced his steps in his mental map of the facility. This must be it. He raised his blaster and cautiously stepped inside. Oz's central processing unit took up most of the room. Loki had never seen an AI's brain before but it reminded him of his gaming PC on a macro scale. It had a black metal chassis with an array of windows displaying the complex components inside, and lights and panels everywhere. Darkened, stilled and silenced by the shutdown protocol that Arcadia had taught Holden. In ye olden days, Holden would have been nicknamed AI Killer, or the Silicon Slayer, or something like that. So far, he had taken two artificial intelligences out. One as an assisted suicide, the other premeditated murder, although done in self-defense, which was too more than anyone else here had managed, unless he counted caretakers. Loki was still amazed that he and his friends had been rescued by an army of caretakers. They had distracted Oz and divided its attention enough for Holden to turn the demented machine off. Even so, Loki didn't fully trust them yet. Jingwei's keepers were almost as hard to accept as her being alive, remade again as some sort of robot whisperer. Loki looked the room over, picturing what had happened here as Holden had related it. Cole hadn't corrected or clarified his version of events. In fact, he had yet to say anything at all, not even a deeply inadequate Shucks, I sure am sorry about that. It was hard to pick out in the dim red light, but Loki found the spot where Umta must have died, marked with a dark pool of blood. He forced himself to look beyond that, at the blood spattered on the computer console. Loki pressed his lips together. He too had died in a computer room, back in his high school. Six months, a thousand years, and a lifetime ago. He had shot himself in the head with his father's service pistol, and he imagined it had left a scene much resembling this one. Loki heard footsteps behind him and spun around, bringing up his blaster. Even as his finger twitched against the trigger, he realized he was aiming at Sunita's chest. She didn't flinch. All she did was raise an eyebrow. He sighed and lowered the gun. I could have zapped you. He said. I could have dodged, she said. You have great reflexes, but people can only dodge energy weapons on Star Trek. She tilted her head to the side. Okay, but I knew you wouldn't shoot me. It still seems risky to sneak up on someone who's armed in the dark. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? She countered. We fought our way out of Sanctuary, and the first thing you do is walk back in? This isn't a Stockholm Syndrome thing, is it? Loki turned and gestured to the blood on the floor. I had to see it for myself. Sunita drew closer. Oh. She linked arms with Loki. His first impulse was to shrug her off. He didn't want to be comforted right now. But before he could, Sunita drew away and gave him some space. They stood there in silence for a moment, together but separate. Just her presence was enough to make him feel not quite so alone and guilty that he was still alive when Umta wasn't. We've been so preoccupied thinking about how we were remade and what that means, what we're here for. Have you ever thought about what we left behind? Loki asked. I don't mean the lives we had back home, but what happened after we died, how our families dealt with losing us. All the time, every day, Sunita said. You haven't? He shook his head. Honestly, not until today. Really? Well, I guess we've also been busy with other stuff, like surviving. Her voice sounded odd, though. Maybe she thought it was strange that Loki hadn't considered all this before. But he had been trying hard to not think about who he'd been, what he'd done. Instead, he'd been focused on starting a new life with a new identity. It turned out that even this far into the future, your past could still catch up to you. I miss them, but I'm moving on, because I have to, Sunita said. I suppose Cole couldn't do that. Neither could Oz. They were a match made in hell. Loki shivered, but it had nothing to do with the cold. Since Oz was offline, everything else had been deactivated too, including the life support systems that had made this such a comfortable place to live in. Aside from the insane controlling AI, of course. I should have been here. What could you have done? You're handy with a gun, but no one saw that coming. Ted did. Loki fell silent. A moment later, Sunita grabbed his arm and tugged gently. What do you say we get out of here? You go on, I need a little more time. Alone. Okay, you have fun creeping around Creepville. She pulled her hand away. I don't know what you're looking for, but I hope you find it. Thanks. Hey, seriously, why are you down here? I was looking for you. Sunita turned and left the room leaving Loki with his ghosts. Loki followed her out shortly afterward, but he turned right away from the exit. He wasn't sure what he was looking for either. They had already cleared out all the food, weapons, and supplies. The best he could come up with was that he was looking for something he'd missed, whatever that was. I'll know it when I see it, he thought. But that reminded him to look for a room he hadn't visited before the one Nevaeh had found that was somehow off Oz's radar. He had always gone for 100% completion in his video games, and he wanted to fill in the last piece of his mental map of sanctuary. It took him a while to find the room, and when he entered it, he wasn't sure what he was looking at. What the hell? He muttered as he took in the strange contraption inside. He was so focused on the inexplicable machinery connected to a sort of podium in the center of the room, that he tripped over something on the floor. He looked down and jumped back in surprise. He'd forgotten about the corpse Navea had discovered. Sorry, Loki said. He stared at the body for a moment. Navea was certain it had been a girl about their age. And he wondered if she had killed herself too, or if she was a casualty of what had killed everyone else at sanctuary, only Her corpse had somehow been locked inside. Loki wandered slowly around the room, pushing buttons here and there. There was no power to operate the machine, but Holden had said it was broken when they'd tried it anyway. Loki touched the far wall. It seemed to be made of a different material from the other walls in the room and throughout Sanctuary. It was warmer than the metal surfaces of the consoles around him, and it felt porous and thin, like he could break through it with enough force. Loki pushed hard against it, but it was stronger than he'd thought. He had the tantalizing sensation that something important was just on the other side. He consulted his mental map of the facility, and the only thing on the other side seemed to be a rec room. He raised his blaster and aimed it at the wall. Then he thought better of it and crouched behind the podium which had a handprint in the center of its surface and symbols etched into its darkened control interface. He reached around the podium, aimed the gun, and fired. The center of the wall flashed and rings of golden light rippled and dissipated from the impact point of his laser beam. Huh, Loki said. It was almost like the wall had absorbed the energy. He pushed against it again, but this time it seemed to push back. After trying some more switches and buttons, he gave up. Fine, keep your secrets. He started to leave the room, but something drew him back. The body. It felt wrong to just leave her here. We should bury her, Loki thought. And then he knew what it was he'd been hoping to find. Something he could do to help everyone. He leaned over the body, trying to figure out a good way to carry it, Imagining how awful it would be to touch the mummified flesh. Something beeped softly behind him, and he looked up to see small red lights twinkling like stars on the wall he had shot. He gaped at it. He stepped back from the wall and faint lines shimmered where there had been none before. Instead of a blank wall, he was looking at a map of the world, though the outlines of the continents were slightly different from what they should be. North America looked much thinner than he remembered it, the west and east coasts gone. One of the lights was blinking in Canada, just north of Niagara Falls. Sanctuary. You are here, Loki muttered. Did that mean that all those red dots were other sanctuaries? There Had to be 50 of them. As he puzzled over that, another light flared into existence, a pulsing green dot, brighter than the rest, south of the Canada-US border in the Great Lakes region. Their outlines had changed, so it was now more like one Great Lake, but the dot was smack in the middle of Lake Michigan. Hello. He reached out and touched the dot with his index finger. What are you supposed to be? Omri planted his legs slightly apart and raised the gun. It was heavier than he had expected, and it got heavier the longer he tried to hold it steady. His arms trembled as he aimed for the head and fired. His hands jerked backward and he grimaced as his shoulders took the force of the recoil. But at least he didn't drop the gun. He felt his father's and sister's eyes on him as he aimed again and then fired. And again. Bam, bam. Bam, click. As the paper target with the illustration of a drooling zombie slid toward him, Rena clapped slowly. Impressive, his father said. You managed to not even hit it once. Sorry, son, you're dead. Omri tugged off his earmuffs and threw them onto the ground. His dad approached the target and counted the bullet holes arranged like a halo around the zombie's head. Five. One of your shots didn't even hit the paper, he whooped. Rena laughed. You probably killed a poor squirrel out there. He probably just missed killing a very lucky squirrel. Omri bit his lip and clenched the gun at his side. Their dad pulled the paper target down and handed it to Omri. Please tell me you were at least aiming for the head. Of course I was, Omri said. He stared down at the paper. At the bottom, someone had printed, nice shooting, happy 13th birthday, Omni. He crumpled the paper up. Maybe you could try for the chest next time, Rena suggested. It's a much larger target. Shoot zombies in the head, Omri insisted. Better to try to slow them down or incapacitate them rather than risk wasting ammo on a tricky shot. If you take out its leg, it's as good as done for. I just want to point out that zombies aren't real, their dad said. Good thing for Omri. You think you can do better? Go ahead. Rena nodded. She secured her earmuffs and checked her gun as their dad put a fresh target on and sent it down the line. Rena squinted at it. A little farther, she said. That's my girl, he said. Omri could barely see the zombie's head from where he stood. He grabbed his earmuffs and sat down with his gun across his knees, scowling while Rena unloaded her gun into the target. She looked like she wasn't even aiming. Why was she here? His dad had been promising to bring Omri to the shooting range for his 13th birthday. Why did Rena get a treat too? He hardly ever got to do anything just with his dad anymore. And now, it seemed like Omri was the one tagging along, getting in their way. Dad whistled as the target came closer. Six for six, nice spread. Omri stared at the paper target. Three neat bullet holes right in the heart and another three to the head. Sharp shooting, sweetie. See, Omri, that's how it's done. Their dad stepped away to get more targets. Rena offered hers to Omri. You can have this if you want. What four, Omri spat. You could hang it in your locker and press your friends. I know you've been telling everyone about doing this. Omri snorted. I don't have any friends. He took the target from Rena and tore it in half. She sighed. Nice. Way mature behavior. She turned away and pulled out her phone. She was always on it, either texting with friends or playing a game. Her family was just too boring, or maybe too beneath her. While she tried lining up columns of candy on her screen, Omri pointed his gun at her head and aimed. She glanced up and slowly lowered her phone. That's not funny, put it down. Bang, Omri said, I mean it, put the gun down right now. Bang, Omri said, you're dead. She slowly walked toward him. He remembered what she'd said about the chest being a larger target, and he lowered the gun to point it at her heart. Bang, bang. He raised it back to her head. Omri, cut that out before dad, she stopped. Looking past him, scared. You're right, he said. His finger tightened on the trigger. Then someone grabbed the gun from behind him and shoved him aside, ripping the weapon from his grip. Ow, Omri stumbled. My finger. What the hell is wrong with you, his dad bellowed. What do you think you're doing? I was just playing around, Omri said. You don't play with guns. Isn't that why we're here? You don't play with guns, they aren't toys. I wasn't going to shoot her, it's out of ammo, that isn't the point. Dad checked the safety and then examined the gun's chamber. Gun accidents happen every day. She's fine, thank goodness. This is a dangerous, deadly weapon. You never pointed at someone like that. You're done here, but it's your birthday, so I'm not going to tell your mother about this, his dad said. Just remember what I said. You don't want to tell her because she's going to hold you responsible, Omri thought. His mom already hated that his dad kept a gun in the house. She would probably make him get rid of it if she heard about the stunt Omri had pulled. Dad went to settle the bill and Rena came up alongside Omri. He's wrong, she said in a low voice. You never point a gun at someone unless you intend to use it. The Infected Trilogy is an unabridged three season audio fiction series from number one New York Times best selling novelist Scott Sigler. Eighty eight episodes, fifty three hours of horror, are free and available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Loki ignored the curious glances and questions from the others as he hurried through camp looking for Holden. He even checked inside the makeshift tents where they had sorted their supplies, but he couldn't find him. So he headed for the armory, where he knew he would find Inez. Inez had been put in charge, or maybe she put herself in charge, it was hard to say, of the guns, knives, and grenades they had lifted from Sanctuary. Loki had tried to scavenge weapons from Oz's now incapacitated puppets, too, but the keepers had confiscated the fallen machines and whisked them away somewhere. One of those keepers was parked near the armory now to back up Inez if she needed help or to watch her. Loki suspected the dozen surviving keepers scattered throughout camp were watching the teens, and he was making sure he watched them. Hey, Loki said, breathless from hurrying out of sanctuary. Inez simply looked up at him and raised her eyebrows. Loki sighed. You were right. Going into sanctuary was a bad idea. She closed her eyes and smiled. That's better. Good morning, what's up? First, I'm returning this. Loki handed her the blaster. Inez studied the energy gun for a second before she handed it back. Hang on to it. What? I've been thinking, some of us should be armed at all times, just in case. Loki glanced at the keeper, 20 feet away. And you're one of the few who won't accidentally shoot himself, or anyone else, she said. Loki cleared his throat. Right. Does Holden agree with this? He will, when I tell him. I wouldn't bet on it. Loki holstered the weapon. Where is he, anyway? He went for a walk with Saya. Oh? Loki asked. You're okay with that? Why wouldn't I be? Uh, I thought you and Saya were... We are, but they're friends, and Holden needs his friends right now. Yeah. Why, is something up? Inez asked. Loki didn't know who was supposed to be their leader now that their two groups were reunited. In the aftermath of the sanctuary battle, it hadn't seemed important. They were all too busy doing whatever had to be done, finding Alex, May, and the others whom Oz had captured, setting up and securing a safe camp, gathering supplies, and catching up on everything that had happened since they had all been together. Loki didn't want to undermine Holden, but Holden's head wasn't exactly in the game right now anyway. And something about that blinking light told him it was time-sensitive. I found something interesting down there. And has crossed her arms. I hope I don't regret this, but please be more specific about what you mean by down there. Loki furrowed his brow. Down in sanctuary, she laughed. Oh, good, go on then. He told her about the strange wall in the machine room and the lights and his theory that the blinking was marking a point in the Great Lakes. She thoughtfully tapped her lips with two fingers. You think that green light is another sanctuary? And it's up and running? Loki shrugged. Red usually means something's offline. Green could mean it's operational. Why wouldn't Oz know about it? Maybe he did, Loki said. But he wasn't the most forthcoming. And he didn't want us to leave. You actually want to go there, after everything that just happened? I don't know. It seems important, though. Let's check it out with Jing Wei and Sparky Natch. If anyone can figure out what the wall is for and what that light means, it's them. Loki drew closer and lowered his voice conspiratorially. Inez drew back from him slightly. You trust her? He asked. Jingwei? Yeah, or she wouldn't be with us. But she does freak me out a little. Right? And you didn't even know her before. It's weird seeing her walk around again. You should be happy. You got your friend back, Inez said sharply, an angry edge to her voice. We worked together before, but we weren't friends. I know you aren't the warm and cuddly type, but damn, that's cold, she said. When Jingwei was alive, the first Jingwei, the other Jingwei. He hadn't thought of her as a friend. He hadn't been friends with anyone in their group yet. He was too afraid of them finding out that he was faking his level of experience. And he was a little ashamed now to admit to himself that he'd started out thinking of the others as resources, only good for what they could contribute to the group. He'd come a long way from thinking like that, but this Jingwei wasn't part of that past. He had no history with her. I'm worried the keepers have turned her or something, he said. Inez laughed. She isn't a vampire. I don't know what she is. Not quite human, part toaster. Inez nodded. Gotta agree with you there. She's definitely Cylon-like. Loki's eyebrows shot up with surprise. You watch BSG? Inez looked at him flatly. Not anymore. Then she grinned. But my papi was into science fiction and he loved Edward James Olmos. Cool dad. He was. All I mean is, who knows where this new Jing Wei's loyalties lie? And those machines? The moment they turn on us, and they will turn on us, we're all dead. We shouldn't have invited them into our circle. Inez narrowed her eyes. Jing Wei and those machines saved your ass. I know, but I appreciate your perspective. I've had all those same concerns. I decided to give her a chance, though. And it's worked out so far. Maybe you should give her a chance, too. Inez glanced away for a moment, and now she leaned toward him. Think about how hard this is for her. I know how it feels. Not that long ago, I was the new girl in the group. But look how awesome that turned out for everyone. She smiled. But her smile quickly faded. Almost everyone. She was quiet for a while. Jingwei said the technology to remake people was lost. But I keep thinking, wondering. If we can bring more of us back, Loki asked. Yeah. If there was anything Loki was familiar with, it was self-delusion born from despair and desperation. Even if we could bring Teddy back, he said gently, it wouldn't be him. He wouldn't remember us. Inez lowered her eyes. He'd still be Teddy. I know how you feel, I'd I'd remake Wesley if I could, Loki said. You miss him that much? Everyone keeps saying how annoying he was. He was, but he didn't deserve to- be torn in half by a killer robot no one does maybe wesley 2.0 would be a total badass the second time around loki sighed but no one should start hoping we can just keep remaking ourselves when we die that's about as foolish as hoping we can go back to our old lives hope isn't such a bad thing inez said have you ever felt completely hopeless She thought about it, then shook her head. I'm usually pretty practical, like there's always something you can do to fix a situation. Well, speaking from experience, I can tell you there's nothing worse than having hope and then losing it. Which reminds me I'm late for my shift in the brig. The brig? Cole's tent. You are such a nerd. No one liked Cole watching duty but they needed to keep an eye on him. After Cole had killed Umta and Holden had shut down Oz, Cole had seemed to shut down too. He hadn't even put up a fight when Holden marched him out of sanctuary at gunpoint. He was physically alive, but the life had gone out of him. As Loki approached Cole's tent, the flap opened and Navea emerged, blinking in the sunlight. She carried a tin plate from sanctuary filled with rations. She squinted at Loki. You're late. I know. Sorry, how is he? The same. Won't eat, won't talk. He won't even look at me. If he keeps it up much longer, we won't have to worry about him anymore. Loki took the plate from her. I'll take care of this. You think you can get him to eat? She sounded offended. Nope, but I'm starving. Loki took a brown square from the plate and popped it into his mouth. It tasted like a dirt biscuit. Hmm. he doesn't know what he's missing. I still can't believe he killed Umta. How could he do that? Nevea shook her head. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men, Loki said. You think he's evil? She asked. No, I was quoting the shadow. She shook her head. I just mean that you can't know another person, not really. We all have secrets and we're all capable of doing awful things, whether we intend to or not, he said. Nevea stared at Loki. You know what? I'm hungry too. She took the plate from Loki and walked away. Good luck in there. See? Loki called after her. I never thought you'd do something like that. Loki slipped into the tent and paused to let his eyes adjust to the dimmer light inside. The center was taken up by a thin tree, to which Cole was tied with a rope wrapping around his chest and the trunk. His hands and feet were also tied with another rope looped around his wrists and the tree trunk, limiting his movement. Jingwei had dreamed all this up, the heavy blankets around the tree, the rigging. Loki had envied how she could turn leftovers and junk into useful things, and he wondered if the group had missed what she did for them more than they had missed her. Inez would call him cold for thinking it, but if Jingwei hadn't died, maybe he wouldn't have stepped up as much as he had. Maybe the whole group had relied on her too much, and her death had forced them to be stronger and smarter without her. How's it going, Cole? Loki asked. Cole didn't say anything. He only stared at Loki. You're taking this whole right to remain silent thing a bit far. Not that anyone read you your rights, no point since the whole justice system around it's kaput. Mostly you're just freaking us out. Nevea was actually quite rude to me just now, can you believe it? Cole kept staring at Loki. He looked perkier than he had in a while with a hungry sort of expression. What was he so excited about? Oh, he was staring at the gun holstered at Loki's left hip. Loki licked his lips. He'd been working up to this moment, but he hadn't imagined starting it with Cole. I know it's hard to believe, but I didn't have many friends back home, Loki said. I was, I was kind of bullied. Cole snorted. That wasn't the reaction Loki had hoped for, but any reaction was progress. When I couldn't deal with it anymore, I brought my dad's gun to school. Loki took a deep breath and I shot myself. It was supposed to feel good to get something like that off your chest, but he was leaving a lot of stuff out, so he started over again and told Cole all about it. Cole didn't show any interest, but he also couldn't stop Loki from going on without breaking his silence. He was literally a captive audience. When Loki was done, he leaned closer. Here's the key thing. As soon as I pulled the trigger, I wished I hadn't, but it was too late. Then I was here, and I had a second chance to make it right. Cole hadn't said a word, but he had done Loki the courtesy of listening, at least, instead of going to sleep or ignoring him. He kept his eyes trained on Loki, on the gun at his side the whole time. So what I'm saying is, you made a horrible, tragic mistake but that doesn't have to be the end. Of course, you can't change what you did, but there has to be something. Just don't do anything rash, anything else you might regret later. Keep your strength up. Eat something, okay? Loki stopped when he heard shouting outside the tent. He lifted the door flap and peered out. A group of six keepers marched past, heading into the forest. He heard people shouting at the center of camp. Stay here, he told Cole. Cole gave a short, hoarse laugh. They were definitely getting somewhere. Loki drew his gun and ran from the tent to see what was going on. The big drawer of the desk was locked, but Omri knew how to get it open. He jiggled it from left to right until the tumbler popped. He opened the drawer and stared at the heavy cloth bundle nestled toward the back. The door to the study opened and he kicked the drawer shut. He was in trouble now. But no, it was only Rena, not his father, which didn't mean he was off the hook yet if she decided to rat him out. What are you doing in here? She whispered. Nothing, he said. You need to learn to lie better. She stalked across the room and came around the desk. She reached down and pulled the drawer open. Uh Uh-huh, that's what I thought. I didn't touch it, what were you planning to do with this? I just wanted to practice more, he hesitated. He hated to admit it, but it was the truth. And maybe if he flattered her, she would keep this to herself. I wanna get as good as you. You won't get any better if you're dead, she snapped. She shoved the drawer shut and lifted it up and down a couple of times until it was locked again. She was the one who'd shown Omri that trick when they were looking for their Hanukkah presents. And if you didn't accidentally shoot yourself or someone else, Dad would kill you when he found out. Come on, Omri, use your head. Easy for you to say. Mom and Dad think you can do no wrong because I don't make stupid mistakes. And when I do, I make sure they don't find out about them. Come on, if you want to practice shooting so much, I have a better idea. She led Omri to her room and sat down at her computer. The splash screen for Call of Duty appeared on her monitor. She stood up and gestured to her seat, one of those fancy gaming rigs that looked like the captain's chair on Star Trek. He still didn't know how she'd convinced their parents to splurge on that for her birthday. She never let him sit in it, and he was never, ever allowed to use her computer. Really? He asked. She swiveled the seat toward him. Before I change my mind, three, two, he practically leapt into the chair. Sweet. He spun around in the chair a couple times until she stopped him and pointed him at the screen. She started the game and handed him a wireless controller. This isn't the same. A controller isn't anything like a gun, Omri said. Are you afraid you'll suck? Why do you care if it's just a game? How hard can it be, Omri said. He started the game, but before he could even press a button to take his first shot, his screen flashed and he was dead. What, he said. That wasn't fair. Life isn't fair. A lot of skills can carry over from games to real life. Fast reflexes, learning to assess a situation quickly. He opened his mouth to protest. I'm serious, Rena said. She settled into another chair beside him. Go on, I'll coach you. He played for a little while. Brow furrowed in concentration while she gave him pointers. He finally threw the controller down in frustration. Don't give up, his sister said. If you keep at it, I'll let you practice with my air gun too, one day. Why are you helping me, he said. Because if you can't count on your big sister when you need help, who can you count on? He stared at her keyboard for a while, concentrating on a crumb of Something caught between the right shift key and the casing. Um, sorry for pointing that gun at you, he said. Apology accepted, so let's forget it ever happened. I know why you did it anyway, you hate me. No, I don't, but I've been a little jealous lately. I feel angry a lot, she nodded. You can't help how you feel but you can control what you do about your feelings. Your problem is you need to stop looking for approval from others and be yourself. He looked up at her and smiled. He hadn't been giving her enough credit, and she had been giving him more credit than he'd realized. They'd had their problems, but he hadn't considered that Rena could be more than his sister. She could also be his friend. She picked up the controller and thrust it back into his hands. Although, it wouldn't hurt if you were a better marksman, so let's get back to work. Loki found the rest of the group clustered around the campfire, chattering. A little away from them, Sparky and the six other keepers were similarly clustered. They were silent, but he bet they were being just as talkative over their whisper net, what he called the wireless channel Sparky used to communicate with Jingwei. Just took off like that? May said. Wish we could control them, Amelia said. are they going? Alex said. What's she doing now? Sebastian asked. Loki spotted Holden on the far side of the fire and started to head over, but then he saw he was deep in conversation with Saya, oblivious to the commotion around them. Loki looked for Inez again and found her with Jing Wei and Hiram. What's happening? Loki asked them. The keepers got excited all of a sudden and half of them took off, Inez said. Like a dog responding to a whistle, Hiram said. Eh, so let them go. Loki reholstered his weapon. "Who's watching Cole. You didn't leave him alone, did you? Inez asked. Well, I thought you all were in trouble. Loki glanced back at Cole's tent. He isn't going anywhere. Any idea where those keepers went? He asked. We're working on it. Jingwei pointed to Sparky, who was coming over from where it had been standing with the other keepers. The machine took its place by Jingwei's side. She put a hand on its chassis. They want us to go with them, right now, Jingwei said. But where do they want to go and why now, Inez asked. Somewhere safe, Jingwei glanced at Sparky. That sounds convincing, Inez said. Yeah, we're going to need more info before we go along with them, Loki said. I think they're trying to help, and they did fight alongside us at Sanctuary, Jingwei said. They protected us. Communicating with them is tricky. There's something I'm just not getting. Either it won't translate, or I can't wrap my head around it yet. I have a vague impression of a planet. It looks like Earth, but it isn't Earth. I don't know what it means, but wherever they have to go, they think it's important that we come with them and that we do it soon. Where did this come from? Why didn't they mention it before? Inez asked. They just found out about it, or something reminded them of it. There's a new signal, Jingwei said. On their whisper nut? Loki said. Whisper nut? I like it. Jingwei flashed Loki a quick smile. The keepers, aside from Sparky, were pacing back and forth, Walking circles around the kids, doing weird little tap dances like they had to go to the bathroom. This new signal was really messing with them, or they were having a hard time trying to ignore it. Wait, when did this start? Loki asked. The signal. About half an hour ago? There was a bit of chaos at first. Believe it or not, this is them settled down, Jingwei said. That can't be a coincidence, Loki said to Inez. The lights you noticed? She asked. What lights? Jingwei asked. Loki crouched and used a finger to sketch out the great lakes in the dirt. He pointed to the second largest body of water. Jingwei, is this where they want us to go? Jingwei studied the drawing, but before she could say anything, Sparky moved forward and emitted a high whine. It was getting more R2-D2 every day. It started its own weird tap dance, and that drew some of the other keepers to look at Loki's map. Sparky says that's where all the keepers are going, Jingwei said. Is that Lake Michigan? Loki noticed a flashing light at that location on a map in the creepy room with the creepy body, Inez said. I was on my way to get you so we could check it out when all this went down. Wait a minute, Hiram said. Jingwei, when you say keepers, does that include the caretakers? Jingwei's eyes widened. Sparky? She looked at the Keeper, who stilled its antics. After a moment of silent communication, she flinched. The signal's being broadcast throughout the entire whispernet, to both Keepers and Caretakers. Sparky's scanning other channels, and it looks like an all-points bulletin on wide-open frequencies. If we had a radio, you could probably hear it too. You can hear it? Loki asked. Jingwei nodded, looking a little uncomfortable. What's it sound like? Seya asked. Loki looked around and found that the rest of the group had joined them by now. Even Holden was hanging out on the fringe. Sunita winked at Loki. He smiled. Jingwei made a series of weird sounds with lots of boops, wheeze, and ch-ch-chicks. What does that mean? Mei asked. Jingwei shrugged. I don't speak caretaker, but it seems to be transmitting these coordinates. She pointed at the map in the dirt with some urgency. If all caretakers are following that, then it's the last place we should go, Loki said. Maybe we should try to shut that signal down first. Inez and Jingwei looked at each other and nodded, as if they were plugged into their own whispernet. I'll come with you, Loki said. There's something I want to pick up down there anyway. I thought we cleaned that place out. What's left? Inez asked. Um, that creepy body? That was the first time he'd ever seen Inez rendered speechless. Omri pulled Rena over to the House of the Dead cabinet in the arcade. They had almost an hour before wreck ralph started, enough time to play through the game. But just as Omri was fishing out tokens, Rena's phone played the theme from Metal Gear Solid. I have to take this, she said. Will you hate me? What's this one's name? Omri asked. She winked. I'll tell you when it matters. She lifted her phone and walked away. Hey, no, not much. I guess I have time to talk. Omri slid a token in and picked up the plastic gun. It was amazing how picking up a controller transformed him, let him lose himself in the game. He barely paid attention to the opening cinematics, which he knew by heart. Then the first wave of zombies came toward him, and he started picking them off. When the next cinema scene started, a voice snapped him out of the zone. He turned and saw a boy his age watching him. What? Omri asked, dreading whatever insult was about to be repeated. I said, you're really good. Oh, thanks. This next section is tough. Want a player too? Omri shrugged and turned back to the game, the better to hide his smile. He began pumping the trigger, mowing down the enemy in a spray of pixelated blood and goo. The Player 2 display came to life as the boy picked up the gun and took his place beside Omri. I'm Brody, the boy said. Omri. They played for a while. Omri would never admit it, but he was happy for the assistance, because he usually couldn't get through this section without Rena. But he was better than Brody and managed to save him a couple of times. When they finished the game, it was almost time for the movie to start. Rena should have been back a long time ago. He looked for her and found her not far off, sitting on a bench with a soda and texting, a dopey grin on her face. He hardly ever saw her like that. She was always so busy with school and ROTC. Is that your girlfriend? Brody asked. Huh? Ew, no. That's my sister. She's hot. Loki rolled his eyes. You go to Excelsior, right? Brody asked. Omri nodded. I thought you looked familiar. We should hang out sometime. I have this game at home. I was wondering why you were so good, Omri lied. Do you ever play Call of Duty? Yeah, my gamer tag is to Dork Knight, all one word. Um, Loki underscore 13. Brody laughed. Good one. I'll friend you when I get home. Nice shooting with you. He aimed his plastic gun at Omri's crotch and clicked the fire button. He cackled and dropped it. Smell you later. Omri replaced both his gun and Brody's in the holsters. Rena came over, putting her phone away. Sharp shooting? I think you beat the game in record time. Who were you playing with? A kid from school, Omri said. A friend? Rena raised her eyebrows. Omri shrugged. We'll see. We can't stop the signal because it isn't coming from here, Jingwei said. She stared up at the map on the wall. This panel's just receiving it same as the caretakers are. It's on its own special priority override, independent of Oz's systems. She brushed off her hands and closed the access panel under the display. Loki wondered why she bothered when probably no one else would ever see it again. The emergency lights were failing in Sanctuary. The temperature felt colder than outside and it was harder to breathe. Sanctuary would be uninhabitable soon enough. Only the light on the wall, marking a mysterious destination, burned brightly. That's good news, Inez said. Why? Saya asked. It means Oz didn't turn it on before he died. So maybe we can trust it, Inez said. But it probably isn't a coincidence, Loki said. What if when Holt, we, shut off Oz, something or someone else noticed? And they started broadcasting that signal. But why? Nevaeh asked, echoing Saya. She had insisted on joining their expedition too, and she kept glancing at the body on the floor, fiddling with a bracelet on her wrist. We'd have to go there to find out, Holden said. Which is likely a terrible idea, Loki said. Like I said, if the signal's calling the caretakers to some big convention, we should steer clear of it. Even better, we can use the break. If they're all in one place, that means they aren't after us. Where should we go while they're distracted? Nevea asked. I've been thinking. The caretakers are receiving the signal, but it may not be intended for them, Jingwei said. If this room hadn't been busted up, we'd all be able to hear the message too on this communications equipment. So if it's being sent broadly enough, someone doesn't want anyone to miss it. Sounds important, Seiya put in. Important could also mean dangerous, Loki said. Holden, what do you think? Holden opened his mouth, but Sparky cut him off with a whir and a click. Uh Uh-oh, we got company, Jingwei translated. She closed her eyes. Caretakers, she whispered. Are you sure? Loki asked. You don't believe me? I'd just rather see what's happening up there with my own two eyes. If you can see the caretakers, it's already too late, Inez said. Fortunately, they aren't here yet, but they're on the way, moving fast. Jing Wei held up a hand. There's cross-channel talk. I'm picking up some other images as the caretakers approach. They're speaking with the keepers. I hope the keepers are responding with nothing to see here, move along, Inez muttered. If they're coming, we need to warn everyone topside. Loki said. The others headed off, but Loki put a hand on Holden's shoulder. Holden gave him a questioning look. I could use your help. Loki pointed to the body. To bring her out of here? I think we should hold a funeral for her and Umta. Holden cast his gaze down to his feet, then he nodded. Loki lifted the body by the legs while Holden grabbed it by the shoulders. Gross. Loki said. I actually thought it would be worse, Holden said. He winced. What? It just got worse. Something's leaking on my hand. Please don't fall apart, Loki thought. By the time they reached the surface, all the teens were sheltering inside Sanctuary's entrance. Holden and Loki stowed the body in the corner. Holden wiped his hand clean on his pants, and then they joined the others. The door to Sanctuary couldn't be closed with its systems offline, but the remaining six keepers had lined up in front of the door to defend it. Cole was there too. Someone had tied him to a keeper. Sunita stood close by, her axes drawn and ready. Was that your idea? Loki asked her, nodding toward Cole. Yep. It's like a high-tech ankle monitor. What do you think? It's ingenious. But we can't travel with him like this for long, Loki thought. We have to figure out what to do with Cole sooner rather than later. Loki edged toward the entrance with Sunita, Holden, and Inez, and peeked out from behind the line of keepers. As the first caretakers entered the clearing, swarming in from behind Sanctuary, he drew his blaster and prepared for another battle. But the caretakers kept going, leaving the clearing without so much as a glance behind them. That's the direction the keepers headed after the signal, Inez said. They ignored us, Loki said. You sound disappointed, Sunita said. Looks like we lucked out. Loki glanced back at Jing Wei and Sparky. The machine's lights were dim, maybe in some kind of stealth mode, and Jing Wei's face was twisted in concentration and pain. Loki began sweating, even though it was still cold. He tightened his grip on his blaster. It seemed to take forever for the caretakers to pass, maybe a hundred of them in total, but it was probably only 30 seconds. Where were they all coming from? Once the last of the caretakers disappeared into the distance, Jing Wei stilled. In fact, she seemed to have passed out. Loki shook her. She opened her eyes again. They're definitely going to Lake Michigan. That's where we have to go. She shook her head like she had water trapped in her ears. Those caretakers ignored us because they have a single minded focus on getting there fast. But why? Holden asked. What's there? Jing Wei glanced at Sparky. A machine, like the one in the room with the body, only much bigger. And a door. A door? Loki asked. Wait, there's something else. Sparky's showing me that worm pit, worm hole again. So you're saying this is connected to where everyone else went? Hiram said. The rest of the group was clustered around the entrance now, following the conversation. I'm not saying that, Jing Wei waved a hand at Sparky. I think it's what he's trying to tell me. If this is how humans left Earth, we have to go there, Holden said. Loki watched the cloud of dust that showed the movement of the caretaker army ahead of them, along the same course they needed to follow. If we do, caretakers will be waiting for us, he said. We'll deal with them when we have to, Jingwei said, determined. Like we always do. Let's check this out. Hell no. Why would we head straight into the middle of a bunch of damn caretakers? Gabe looked around at the others. Right? Because it has to be important, Jingwei said. It's like the keepers are being summoned there. Who's calling them? Why? Where does that door lead? Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with us, Inez said. Jingwei shook her head. Everything has something to do with us. This door? It could be a way for us to bring humans back. Or a way for us to follow them, Holden said. What if we could go wherever they went and find everyone else? Loki hadn't seen Holden so hopeful about something since, well, since before they had reached Sanctuary. You're right, we need to investigate it, Loki said. That signal, that's clearly the caretakers. But the map, that was for us. For people like us, anyone who survived its sanctuary. When I see a glowing point on a map in a video game, then I know that's where I'm supposed to head next. Sparky started hopping around him. What? What's it doing? Loki said. That's annoying. Sparky's excited. He's showing me a handprint now, Jingwei said. Like before. We're supposed to go to this place. If the door opens up a wormhole, only humans can activate it. It's up to us. The machine's excitement was contagious, and the teens began talking loudly among themselves. So Loki almost missed it when Inez muttered something in Spanish under her breath. Inez, Loki whispered. I said, if only humans can use the door, then why are caretakers going after it? Inez whispered back. She focused on Loki's face, then glanced at Jingwei. You trust her now? Loki thought about it. I believe we need to give people the benefit of the doubt. Assume their motives are good until they give us a reason not to. Okay, Inez said. Then, louder, she said, okay. The group quieted down. I'm for this wacky plan. Besides, it's not like we can stay here much longer. We've taken everything Sanctuary has to offer. Wow. For the first time, Holden, Inez, and Jing Wei were all on the same page, even if it was for their own reasons. The group needed that solidarity to mend it back together. And Loki thought there was another way to help bring them together. There's just one last thing to take care of before we go, Loki said. What? Jingwei asked. Loki pointed at the body he and Holden had brought up from the bowels of sanctuary. Oh shit. Is that Gabe said. How long has that been in the corner? Nevaeh twisted her bracelet nervously. Why did you bring her up here? Loki raised his voice and hoped it didn't tremble too much. I was thinking we should hold a funeral. For her, he looked at Holden. And for Umta. He waited for the protests, prepared to argue his point. But many of the others were nodding. Some of them were staring at Cole, who was as unresponsive as ever. This is probably the best time. While we're safe from another attack, Saya drew in a shaky breath. I don't want to abandon Umta. It's long overdue, Inez said, giving Loki an approving nod. Hiram and Jing Wei set up a funeral pyre. Holden and Saya carried Umta, wrapped in a blanket out from the small lean-to Holden had built for her. Beside her, Loki and Nevea laid the body of the girl from Sanctuary. Nevea knelt by the dead girl. I don't know who you were, she whispered. But I hope you rest in peace. Nevea stood and backed away slowly, pulling at the bracelet on her wrist. Does anyone want to say something about Umta? Loki asked. Holden? Holden licked his lips, then shook his head. Okay, I'll start, Loki said. He took a deep breath and slowly looked around the circle of teens as he formed his thoughts. He was startled to realize the keepers were there too, watching the proceedings, including the one Cole was tethered to. I've been feeling guilty about Umta's death, wishing I had died instead of her. But I finally realized something. It wasn't because I loved her. I barely knew her. Loki hesitated. Truthfully, I didn't really like her at first. She was so different from the rest of us. Several others nodded, looking as embarrassed as he was. Over time, I came to appreciate her gentle soul. The way she treated each of us as though we were the most important person in the world. As though we were her family. He chewed his lip. Not many people have ever cared about me that much, including my own parents. Umta loved us, completely, selflessly for who we are, not who she wanted us to be. Loki looked at the covered figure on the pyre, which was so smaller than Umta had seemed in life. Umta, I'll always be grateful to her. I think she was prepared to die for her children. Loki's voice cracked and he brushed away tears. And I hope, I hope that the next time I die, it'll be because I was brave like her, not because I was afraid. Loki stepped back and Sunita took his hand. Their fingers knit together and they squeezed. Seiya came forward slowly. Umta saved my life, she said. She saved all of us from the moment we woke up on that station. If she hadn't gotten us off it in time and helped us when we were lost and confused, I don't think any of us would be here right now. Several people made sounds of agreement. Nevea spoke next, reminiscing about how much she'd learned from Umta and talking about how they had nursed Cole back from his injury. Loki looked at Cole, wondering how he was dealing with all this. Cole's eyes were closed a slight smile on his face like this was all some kind of joke. Loki felt a surge of anger that he hadn't felt in a long time, not since Brody and his classmates had ridiculed him. What's wrong? Sunita whispered. Loki just shook his head. Hiram talked about what a great hunter Umta was, and they all remembered how she had brought back rabbits and wild turkeys and one day one of those weird razor moose. Again, keeping the group alive and fed and as happy as they could be under the circumstances. I also want to remember Wesley, Hiram said. He was my first friend here. He blinked, tears falling freely. My first friend ever, really. He was smart and funny and... I just miss him every day. Yeah, Loki said. Even though... Even though we weren't exactly friends. Teddy, too, Inez said. You all know what he was like. Under normal circumstances, we never would have been friends, and that would have been a shame. Teddy was a great guy. For someone who had such fantastical ideas, he had a way of grounding you and making you feel like you were the center of the universe. Even if that was only because he thought you were in his head. Inez smiled and gestured to the makeshift funeral pyre. If you were here right now, he'd make some crack about me setting another fire. A few subdued chuckles came from around the circle. And then Sunita stepped forward. Sunita, she said. There was a moment of silence. Amelia, Amelia said. One by one, they went around the circle and said their own names. When they came to Loki, he hesitated and said quietly, Omri. He immediately lowered his eyes so he didn't have to see their reactions. Jingwei, Jingwei said. And Jingwei again. She looked around. I'd like to hear stories about her sometime. The other me. I know you've all been avoiding it, but you don't have to. She's gone, but I'd... she'd... have liked to be remembered. Holden and Cole remained silent throughout, though Holden's face was wet with tears. Inez offered him the burning torch, but he shook his head once. She set the pyre ablaze, smiling. Most of them were smiling now. As the pyre burned, consuming Umta and the nameless girl's bodies, the heat enveloped them and dark smoke drifted away into the clear night sky. And with it, Loki felt a weight lift some of the grief and guilt and anxiety they'd all been carrying for a long time. Which left room for more anxiety to creep in. I told them my real name. Why did I do that? Then even that fear dissipated when Sunita came over and linked arms with him. This was a good idea, Loki, she said softly. We really needed to say goodbye to everyone we've lost. The fire gradually died down, and the group sat around it in clusters, sharing stories the way they had at their first camp, shortly after arriving here, when they were first getting to know one another. Jingwei cleared her throat. Not to be a stick in the mud, but we should all rest so we can wake up early and set out. Gabe crossed his arms. He and the others exchanged uneasy glances. Loki got that not everyone was on board with following the caretakers to this door, but it also seemed like after everything they'd been through, the group had to stay together this time. All the way to the end. Holden sat close to the fire, murmuring softly to himself. What's on your mind, Holden? Loki asked gently. Holden snapped out of it. He pointed across the smoldering pyre and at Cole, who was on the opposite side, still tied to his keeper. That. Nevaeh crinkled her nose. That. We have to deal with Cole before we leave, Holden said. Deal with him how? What are you suggesting? Loki asked. Holden licked his lips. We kill him. Remade
0: is a Realm original production. You're listening to Remade Season 2 by E.C. Myers. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Remade is a Realm original production. Created by Matthew Cody and written by Matthew Cody, Andrea Phillips, E.C. Myers, Gwenda Bond, and Amy Rose Capetta. Produced by Lydia Shama and executive produced by Julian Yap and Molly Barton. Starring Greg Tremblay and Laurel Schroeder. Audio directed, produced, and sound designed by Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Amanda Rose Smith. Cover art by Liz Castle. Find more shows like Remade by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.